The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning. Welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you, of course, for the next 30 minutes. A frank, open, honest conversation about gambling addiction and recovery. And happy to have joining us this morning all the way from Texas are our friend Ryan, who's a gambler in recovery as well. Ryan, thanks so much for taking the time to share your story with us today. Oh, thank you, Craig. Appreciate you uh, for having me on. Yeah, so how long has it been since your last wager? Uh, date of my last bet uh, was July 18th, so just a little over uh, about 18 months now, going on oh. about 20 months. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. Very proud of you for that. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, share the story a little bit. Uh, how did your gambling begin? How old were you when you first got exposed to it, and what kind of games were we playing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was a collegiate athlete, and for me, um, I went in as a freshman in college, already injured for the people that know baseball well. I had what's called Tommy John surgery at 18 years old. For those who don't, um, it was a complete elbow reconstruction. I was a pitcher got it, and had a lot of time on my hands. And for me, the culture of where I was and, and the people that I was hanging out with was centered around gambling. It was just the way um, you bonded with your teammates. It was something you did to kill the time. And obviously myself being injured had a lot of time on my hands and, you know, started very innocently. Um, so I know, assume I, I'll, I'll interrupt you just for a moment. So, uh, you know, being friendly with a lot of guys who play baseball, I assume you're talking about not just sports gambling, but a lot of card play and guys hanging out in the locker room or on bus trips, that kind of stuff too, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we weren't really sports betting um, at, at that point. Yes, it was a lot of card games in the dorm room. It was bus rides. And for myself being injured, you know, I, I started off, not on those bus rides, but when I was active and playing, yes, bus rides, hotel rooms, yep. um, dorm rooms, you know, really friendly stuff of, hey, I'll bet you a lunch or, you know, swipe your student commissary card for me at, you know, Chick-fil-A or Panda right, Express right. lunch. Got it. So, and, and by the way, for those people that understand, that's normal. There's so much downtime, especially in baseball or road trips, you know, when you're sitting with the guys where the easiest way to kill time is, you know, you're playing Boure or Spades or Hold'em, you know, or whatever the game you might be amongst the guys that, you know, started off. So that in and of itself is not problematic. What, uh, unfortunately, I guess for you, Ryan, that became a problem is that it became all-consuming at some level, I suppose, yeah? Oh, absolutely. And I appreciate you uh, calling out Boure. I think that's a name I haven't heard in about 10 years so that uh, – <laughs> That brought back both good and bad memories. Sure. So, <laughs> I, uh, I I appreciate that. But, yeah, you know, um, what started off as fun kind of fueled my fire. I, it, I became ultra competitive in it and wanted to understand. And really where it started to become a problem for me was where everybody was able to walk away and ha-ha, that was fun. I had to study the game, if it was poker, if it was what, you know, um, you know, five card draw or if it was a video game that we're betting if it was mario kart or fifa or something like that i would just spend hours obsessing over it trying to become the best to to not only beat my teammates but to 
punish them, so to speak. So I, I've always said for my gambling that one of the uh, biggest problems I had looking back on it, you know, with clarity that I have now, and, I, and I'm almost at five years you know, at the end of this June if I get there, is the ego. Like, I just thought I was better than everyone else at it. I thought I was better than the casino at it. And, you know, there's some days I was. Obviously, some days I wasn't. But when you look back on where you were just a couple years ago, how much did your ego play into it? Oh, you know, very much so. Um, you know, when when I retired from, from baseball in, in 2014 and kind of had those non-sports betting restrictions lifted from me um that's when i really made my my transition you know into sports betting and that's what i really thought was you know i um i played this game for an extremely long time i know this out i know the intricacies that vegas isn't even thinking about right playing into that ego like i you know i know about the bus rides i know about um a day game you know from a night game i know some of the players and, and things like that so yeah, absolutely. It was pure ego. And when I would lose, for me, I was I would be able to cover those losses and say, hey, it wasn't my fault. It was just the cost of education. All right, so then let me ask you. Uh, at some point, you were obviously able to afford whatever the losses were or it kind of fit into your lifestyle. But like all of us, there does come a time when, you know, the wagers grow, the amount of money you're risking grows, and you're not able to cover it. And then... You either borrow it or do you know, uh, other uh, types of things, some illegal, some not, uh, to try to cover the losses, or you start chasing losses and get yourself in a deeper hole. Uh, how old were you when you found yourself in a position where you were betting more than you could personally afford to bet and pay back? Yeah, um, that, man, that was probably 2016-ish. I was about 30 years old. You know, I like you said, at, at that time, um, after I – retired after you know a, a career of, of playing sports you know i i had a good job you know i, I was doing well in sales and, and commission but you know eventually um you know betting on credit and and doing things online you know it started to just consume me and, and chasing those losses and for myself it was opening credit cards filing for personal loans both secured and unsecured and then um you know, I, I I had people living with me. My spouse um, at the time was my girlfriend. She was living with me and working in a very cash-heavy business. And I started stealing money from her, um, you know, knowing that she wasn't counting money at the end of the night because she was coming home extremely late, um, you know, probably tired and not counting tips or cash or, or right. things like that. And, you know, started, you know, stealing from there. And it, it just really, truly got out of control for, for myself. And, you know, again, finding people that would allow me to gamble on credit, knowing that I didn't have to settle up for a week right. or, you know, taking out personal loans and credit cards and cash advances. All and the, all this, all the stereotypical stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah and I'm wondering before we get, my story is not all too different from you know, most people, but that's a good thing. I think, you know, and that, that's what helped me uh, get over the hump of, of owning the fact that I had a problem is that, you know, for so long, and this is all ego for sure. I just thought I was different. I thought I was special. I thought no one else has ever done these things. No one else has ever processed gambling emotionally or mentally the way I did. So the fact that your story is extraordinarily similar to mine and everybody else I've ever met that became a, uh, a gambling addict is actually in a weird way comforting and reassuring that it's not just me. 
Yeah, I've got a problem. I got to own the fact that I have a problem. You having a problem doesn't change at all the fact that I have a problem, but it reassures me that, you know, there's nothing unique about my problem. I'm just one of a, you know, unfortunate group of thousands of people that got to a place in life where gambling took over. And the good news about that is now that I recognize I'm in this fraternity, I can look to all the people that came before you and I who have conquered it and recognize, well, they conquered the same exact demons I got. That means I can conquer it. And that was a big moment in my life to know that. You know, you're you're exactly right. When when I was kind of in the midst of really what I call my mania, you know, my 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 harshest time kind of, you know, every time that I thought I hit rock bottom, you know, I would just dig a little bit deeper and um, you know, exactly right. You just hit the nail on the head of, you know, I I'm I'm the only one that's going through this. I'm the only one that's feeling like this and to the point where I just got to it and I kind of convinced myself that, hey, this is just who you are. This is your personality. This is the cards that you know, God has dealt you and it just, that's the way you're going to live your life. And, and so be it. And you're the only one that, that feels like that. And you're, you know, you're right. I've been able to connect with groups and therapy groups. So before we take our first break, uh, you know, the question I have for you is, you know, the, the worst moment in life, the moment that you recognize you had a problem and are willing to accept you had a problem. What was your bottom of the barrel moment that uh, started the change for you? If you don't mind sharing what that that day, that weekend, that week, that moment was like, what happened to you that made you realize I'm in trouble? Yeah, so for for me, um, it wasn't one moment. It, it was a kind of a culmination of, of three events uh, in a week. And it, it really started to when I, I ran out of credit. I could no longer borrow money from people. I, I, my credit was shot because I was maxing out credit cards and couldn't pay them back. And I couldn't, I couldn't just find money anymore. Um, and so, you know, I had really nowhere to go and, and nothing to do. And the only thing that really got through my mind, um, you know, for, for me was that I, I had to, you know, attempt suicide and you know, I had to make it look like an accident because at the time on my insurance policy, um, didn't cover suicide. And so I figured out, just tried to find a way to, make it look like an accident. So at least then once my family found out, um, you know, that all of this was happening, it, hopefully maybe they could collect the life insurance policy, pay off the debts that I had and live some sort of semblance of life. And that's what I tried. I, I don't know if I, if my heart was truly in it, if it was a cry for help. Um, but, you know, I took a lot of sleeping pills in a Walmart parking lot here in town and, went to sleep and, and woke up the next morning. And to say that I woke up and had kind of this epiphanous moment of like, oh my gosh, I got to change my life. Unfortunately, not even that did it. Um, I was so upset and depressed and anxious now that I had to go home with a lot of phone calls, wondering where I was at, wondering what was going on, because I didn't really call anybody um, to let them know what I was doing, um, that I went home and stole birthday money from my four-year-old son at the time and went and deposited it into an online sports book to just gamble the rest of the day because I just figured I had nothing else. And that was really the only thing that, that gave me joy. And um, I played on that $50 for a few days and my son was watching TV uh, downstairs in our living room and I was beaming it from my laptop from him one morning um, a few days after the attempt and I deposited 
and I didn't know that my laptop was still being streamed onto our TV downstairs. And so I walked upstairs to, to go to work like I always did and did what I always did. I had a sports book going, I had a live game going, and I was doing my, my sales process all while my wife was downstairs watching me live bet constantly for an eight-hour period all on our beam to our 65-inch TV downstairs. I'm going to stop you and, right there as we continue on with Ryan down in Texas who's sharing a very emotional part of his journey as a recovering uh, gambling addict right after this on Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Happy to have Ryan from Texas. I'm sorry uh, we interrupted your mid-story there, Ryan. Uh, please uh, continue from where you're at, where you were live uh, wagering, and your wife you know, is minding her own business but sees something going on on the 65-inch television set that's connected to your laptop and uh, recognizes over an eight-hour period that her husband's up to something that's not great. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, uh, came downstairs after a, uh, a long work day and um, kind of was confronted with everything and did not know how to respond, um, didn't really know what to say. And, you know, all she saw was a $50 deposit and really had no idea the – the ball of yarn behind that, that was yet to be unraveled. And I was thrown out of my house. And from that moment, um, whenever I tried to see my family, whenever I tried to be with my family, she really kept her arm's distance from me and said, Hey, we're going to let the courts decide this. Um, well, let me, let me stop you there for a moment. So based on the fact that you're, you're doing all this gambling and she's unaware of it, and then you compounded that by lying to her. That's yeah. that's what upset her, right? That's what upset her. Got it. Was, was the lying? Um, Did at any know, point I, I though, when, when you sat in the parking lot, and if you don't mind talking about this part of it, I think it's important for people to hear. And decided you didn't want up, want to wake up the next day, and took sleeping pills and passed out. Uh, I she must have been going frantic, right? Yeah, because she she had no idea. Um, you know, I was in just I was in such a depressive state that I just kind of walked out of our house when I realized I couldn't get any more credit and just went for a drive trying to figure out what to do next with my life. So yeah, <laughs> you know, I I made a couple phone calls to, you know, my mom and dad and some friends to just talking about nothing in particular, but it was kind of a goodbye conversation. Right. In a way. And, you know, I I had a conversation with my wife and she kept asking me where I was and what I was doing. And I just really wasn't interested in telling her at the time. I just wanted to hear voices from, from what I thought was going to be one last time. So, yeah, there was all sorts of emotions. So in your mind, you're, you're saying goodbye to loved ones without saying goodbye. But is it when you look back on it, was there a part of you that was hoping that somebody would recognize the despair in your voice and for lack of a better term, term, kind of come save you? Or is it really, I just got to say goodbye in my own way because it, this is goodbye? Looking back on it, I, yes, I was hoping, I think someone would say, hey, what's going on? But I also think, too, that nobody knew what was going right. on. So how could they ask what was wrong if they didn't think anything was wrong? Sure. I wore this facade in, in this happy face for so many years. And you looked at me, outwardly you know 
there was a little bit of change in, in my demeanor, but, you know, really truthfully, if you weren't next to me day to day and honestly seeing what I was doing, I mean, even looking back on it now, friends, family, even my closest best friends, like we had no idea. Right, because you become a world-class liar and actor. Exactly right. Yep, and they have no idea. And why would they think anything else? Because you're putting on a show for them, essentially. When, when you woke up in your car, were you pissed? Oh, I was really pissed. I was even more depressed than I was the night before. You were? Yes. And then how long did it take until you were able to share with your wife what you had done and attempted? Um, the, the, the suicide attempt took me a lot longer than the actual coming clean gambling. When I got kicked out of my house, um, I started going to therapy. And about a month into therapy, I told her kind of everything. Obviously, she had no idea how to take it and was met with very righteous, you know, rage and anger and sadness and sure. I'm sure all of the emotions, you know, that which she has every right, you know, to, to feel. And so that the conversation kind of turned into the how long, how much, what is this going to affect for the rest of our life? And it really wasn't until we unraveled that or started to work through that that I kind of told her, hey, I did make this attempt on my life. I wanted just to let you know. Got it. And then as you're working your way, you know, towards uh, being healthy, what was the moment where, you know, kind of the light bulb went off where you were legitimately committed to living your life without gambling, being open, being honest, you know, being a better husband, a better dad, a better son, you know, and all, and all that type of stuff. How long was that process for you? That, and I, and let me tell and let me tell you why I, I want to tell you why I asked that question. Yeah. I ask it because you know when I went to rehab, I went for the wrong reasons. I went because I thought it would look good. I went because yeah. I thought it would keep my family off my back and a, a judge off my back. And I didn't go because I thought I had a problem. I was still lying about it. Uh, and I gambled uh, once after I left rehab because I wanted to prove to myself that I could go you know, responsibly, and I couldn't, and I failed my own test. But I, I just wonder. Everyone's got this. The unique part of recovery is that we all have different timetables uh, as to when we are going to be completely honest with ourselves about the you know, scumbags we were and the liars we were and the bad people we were. And the people in our lives take, you know, a various amount of times to decide whether or not to accept that and allow us to be in their lives. So that's why I was just wondering what your process was between. You know, getting kicked out of your house and then deciding, I don't want to live this way anymore, what that process was like. You know, I started off the same way as you, if I wanted to get healthy to prove to my wife to, to get back into the house. That was my goal, was I wanted to get back into the house to, you know, be in a marriage and be with my kids. And it was still very much the, the goal for myself, but through kind of some talks with my best friends. I mean, you know, I, 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 you asked what the turning point was and, and I, I still couldn't even tell you what, what the, what the trigger of it was, but really I, I had a, I had a dinner um, and really it was like drinks and an appetizer with, with just a, one of my closest friends and just kind of came clean of like, Hey man, like this is all the that's been going on and fully expecting the wrath of, you know, Hey, how could you do it? What's going on? Like, why would you do that? And really there was the response from him was, man, we're all going through something in life. Yours just happens to be gambling. Yep. But you can always change it. And once 
like I heard that response, like that clarity from me was like, holy crap, I'm not going to be judged by this. Uh, this isn't who I have to be. And that really encouraged me to kind of come out to more of my inner circle. And I can honestly say that I was extremely blessed that none of my inner circle went, oh my, you know, just had this rage and, and you know, an anger, Right. Um, obviously besides my wife, but like my friends were just like, hey man, we're all going through stuff. Like, it, but if you're committed to getting better, like, tell us what we can do to help you. And yeah, I, that just lifted so much off of my chest, but my, my process was for healing. In the beginning was in the wrong reasons. I just want to get back into my house and right. having those conversations with friends and family. It was, you need to get healthy for you because you still have a life to live, whether you are, it's divorce or marriage or whatnot. You know, I'm, I'm 30, I'm turning 38 years old here in a, in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I was 36, 35 years old at the time. Like, you know, God willing, you got 50, 60 years on this earth. Like right. you need to make them healthy. And, and no matter what the future throws at you, you need to live a healthy existence and be happy for you. And that's what really changed it for me. But I can honestly say it was three, four months into recovery when I was like, you know what, no matter what happens in the future with my family situation, I need to be healthy for me moving forward. No, that's, that's a great outlook, uh, and it's the right outlook, and you're right. You know, you don't want to get divorced. You hope you'd be there for your wife and your kids and have a quote-unquote normal, you know, marriage and, uh, and family upbringing and all that stuff, but you only get one life, and if you have a chance to be healthy, it's better to be divorced and healthy and feeling good about yourself than married and miserable. Uh, that's exactly right. And that's reality, and, and the thing I want to point out you know, you know, the spouses of gambling addicts have it the worst, more worse than anybody else, because they're the ones that we take the most advantage of. They're the ones we lie to the most. They're the ones we hide stuff from the most. And they're the ones ultimately that have to pick up the pieces for us as we're going on our journey of getting help. And before I let you go, I would hope that you could share with young guys who were like you and me, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, whatever the case may be. And what advice would you give a young kid that, you know, it's kind of going through it right now and where you were a couple of years ago because you sound great. It sounds like you have figured it out. You're almost 18 months into not gambling at all. So I imagine you have a relationship with all those people in your life again, whether you're married or not, none of my business. But what would you say to somebody who's at step one, recognizing they got a problem, but still feels like, you know, the walls are caving in and they're not sure if they can get through it? The, the advice that, that I would give is, is what you just exactly said is, is get healthy for the right reason. It's, it's not for a wife or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a, a, a you know, a spouse or whomever that person is for family. It, it's got to be for you and it's got to be what you want and living the life that, you know, you want and that no matter how far the walls cave in, there's, there's room to, to push them back. I, I had a therapist say that no matter, you know, how closed off that room seems, you can find the light if you actually want to search for it. And, you know, I, I took that to heart and I started searching for it. And I can definitely say that I am, I'm still married, you know, and, and it takes work. Like yep. it, it's not done. You know, there are still conversations I have to this day being 20 months in um, that's just like, Hey, when this and this happened, um, was that really because of this or was it because of gambling? And I'm still unraveling lies that I told it. And truthfully, some of them 
I was in such a manic episode that I've completely forgot a lot of the things that I said and I got to remember and go, oh man, yeah. Well, you that's, got, that, that's one I can tell you from experience. Uh, that one never goes away, bud. No, uh, it never it goes away. The having those conversations. Your now, your wife, your buddies, your parents, they remember everything you said to them. Yes. And you're going to be like, I never said that. What are you talking about? And like, no, no, you said it. I remembered it. It hurt. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, actually, if you want help, if you want to seek out help, do it for yourself, no matter where you're at, when, when you're at in, in recovery. Um, you know, every everybody out here, I, I know people say that, you know, life is short. I, I kind of flip it on its head and say life is long. And if you want truth, happy, healthy recovery. There's a long life ahead of a lot of people um, out there. And it's a, it's a happier life on the other side of recovery. And, you know, it's, it's worth going through the tougher times to get out on the other side. Final question for you. Are you happy you woke up today? I'm very happy. I woke up today. My, my kids and wife remind me of that every single day. Awesome. Well, listen, I'm really proud of you. I'm so glad you shared your story with us. If I can ever return the favor, I'm literally a phone call away. And if you're ever in a spot where you're considering it, you could also call me on that just to talk uh, uh, because we need to have each other because it's it's a journey and we can't do it alone for sure. And I think your story is going to do a lot to help young guys and gals out there recognize that it's going to be okay. It will be okay. You just got to take the first step and own the fact that you got a problem. And I I really uh, appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Have a great weekend. Thanks. You too, sir. Right, bye-bye. What a great story from Ryan. And we do that every Saturday here on Hello, My Name is Craig. And I hope, you know, it reaches you and uh, touches a chord with you, whether it's about someone in your family or you yourself. But the stories are real. They are real. They're emotional. And there's going to be a lot more of them, sadly, because of how many people are now gambling for the first time. And as long as WFN allows us to do this show and we have the support of uh, our sponsors, We will do it because I do think we are uh, saving lives in a lot of ways. So thank you for listening. Joe and Evan are coming up next. And then Evan and I again back together Monday at 2 o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Getting ready for some March Madness next week right here on WFAN.